Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Looking for news that cuts through the noise? Want the unfiltered inside scoop on today's top headlines? Then it's time for you to check out News Talk 105.9 WMAL. Home to radio legends Dan Bongino, Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, and more. WMAL delivers agenda-free coverage of everything going on in the DMV and around the globe. Visit WMAL.com or download the WMAL app to tune in live today. News Talk 105.9 WMAL. Making sense of the news. I'm Tony Caputo, and I'm one of the old coots. And we do a podcast every week. And, you know, the podcast is is called Old Coots Giving Bad Advice, but we give incredibly good advice most of the time. So be sure and check us out on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts can be found. And remember, it may be bad advice, but it's free. All right. Hello, folks. This is the uh, Let's Go Eat show. First of all, let me just to say uh, that uh, there will probably be adult content in the Let's Go Eat show. Mm. Uh, was there any adult content? I, uh, mm, no, I don't think so. Oh, I'm disappointed. Shit. Fuck. All right. Well, okay. I just, I should, okay, there, that's, a, that's a disclaimer. There might be adult content, and if there isn't in the in the body of the show where we talk to Trent Harris, there's there's some adult content right at the beginning because Dylan yep. said shit. Let me tell you that the Let's Go Eat show is created and produced on a PC laptop's computer. New computers starting at just seven ninety nine. Now that's not seven dollars and ninety nine cents. No, that's seven hundred and ninety nine dollars at PC laptops. And remember, at PC laptops, we love you. And also, uh, the Let's Go Eat show is brought to you by Sugar House Distillery. Okay, I got to tell you. So right after Mm -hmm. we're done recording this intro, I'm going to get in a car. Mm -hmm. My uh, partner here at Podspace, Spencer, is driving. Mm -hmm. We're going to go out to Sugar House Distillery, and we're going to tour the facility. Mm -hmm. Which means you're going to drink. And get samples. Yeah. You Uh, go out there and tour and get samples. Well, that's good. Say hi to uh, James for me. Of course. Uh, James is a very, very nice guy, and he makes a very, very fine product. Uh, Sugar House Distillery, uh, Sugar House Vodka, Silver Rum, Gold Rum, Mm. Malt Whiskey, and Bourbon Whiskey. There you go. All locally produced Mm -hmm. and locally drunk. It says here, our spirits are proudly handcrafted in the Mountain West, one small batch at a time. The crew at Sugar House Distillery takes these words seriously. They take pride in knowing that all of their products have been made with care, no additives, no artificial colors or flavors. And it says, come by our distillery so they can show you how it's done. I don't know. What's the address? Is it on here? Yep. Up at the top, right at the top. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah it's there. 2212 Southwest Temple, uh, unit number 14. It's kind of in a little industrial park there right. area there. I've been there. Uh, you can go to their website, sugarhousedistillery.net. Thanks, Sugar House Distillery. There you go. Okay, this episode, who do we have? 
Trent Harris. Yes. Filmmaker uh, extraordinaire, uh, Utah filmmaker. Well, he's born in Idaho, but we don't hold that no. against him. He migrated south as quickly as he could uh, to become a Utah filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had him on the podcast before, but he has a new movie that he's just releasing for free on Facebook. So just search for Trent Harris on Facebook. Uh, and you'll find the first installment of his new movie, Echo People. Um, you can find Trent Harris's other works at echocave.net. Um, he's, a, he's a good guy. He's, a, you yeah. know, he's, a, he's about one of the most sincere and honest guys you'll ever want to talk to. Fascinating man. Without further ado, here we go on the Let's Go Eat Show, Trent Harris. Let me mute my phone here. Flogs. 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 <laughs> when they were looking, and and first you don't know what they're looking at, and I thought, oh, it's going to be a giant flog. <laughs> oh, it was Mystery Mountain. <laughs> and there's my car. <laughs> but it wasn't a car, Trent. Uh, yeah. It's a truck. It was, people people you, said- You know how I am about I continuity. <laughs> People have said, yeah, oh, you know, and when you when you say that, so as I was watching it, I thought to myself, I'm going to see how many continuity errors there are because he doesn't give a shit. But I didn't really pay any attention to that at all. No, it's so involved. It just, it's an incredible film. <laughs> but there aren't any, there weren't really. A, I did think about it right at the beginning, but then. Well, you know, we shot it all in so quick. It was all in like two days. Was it? Yeah, so. I didn't have time to ruin continuity. No. <laughs> I didn't have time to ruin the continuity, or I would have. Uh, and I assume we're rolling. Oh, yeah. We're talk. two minutes into the podcast. Well, we've all... <laughs> and, and he's not lying. Oh, good. Yeah. I don't uh, give a shit about continuity either, or that it's particularly an entertaining podcast or listenable. Well, then you got the two, two right guys to be yeah. on it. Yep. Uh, Bill Allred and Trent Harris. Uh, we, uh, Trent has a big bandage on his forehead. What are you staring at? Oh, that itty bitty camera over there. That, that one? That little tiny one. Is there more than one camera over there? Just, oh, the other one I moved. I have a smaller camera than that. I'll be darned. I've why, why is there an itty bitty camera over there? It's just a Canon. It's just a camcorder. It's just sitting there. It's mm. not pointing at us. No, it's recording. Why, why are you... He's filming the. You um, you like that little bitty bitty camera? Well, it's kind of neat. You know, I like this little mouse on the top. Um, hmm. it's a it's a, just a little. Uh, I don't know what he uses it for. What do you use this for? Porn. Porn. Mm. Yeah, he does. He films porn here when we're not doing. <laughs> it, it's a, this is called Pod Space where Dylan. Uh, but then it's called Porn Space sometimes when he's yeah. doing other. He's that's how he makes real money. Yeah. This is how this, I keep the doors open. Yeah. He'd like to make money doing podcasts, but there's just no money in it. So. No. There might be an industry for porn parodies of podcasts. I'm sure somebody's already done you it. You think there's like yeah. the serial porn? And yeah, probably. It's the Adam Carolla. So it's been a long time since we've talked to Trent Harris on a podcast. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I think we had done Delightful Water Universe when we talked to you. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, oh yeah, no we had. We I'm thinking when was it? We did that we did a lunch over at uh uh that place on Maine. 
what the hell is going on now? I don't remember where we were. Yeah. Uh, we did eat and talk on the we Let's did. Go Eat show. We're not eating right now. Today's I have a piece of, of gum a, in my mouth. Today's but. more of a coffee clutch. and We're having coffee from the People's Coffee Shop down uh, Dylan's... Uh, down below us. Yeah, Dylan's pod space here, and then the People's Coffee is down on the ground floor. They make good coffee. I like they it. They do. Yeah. Yeah, but, and the, the owner's a great guy, yeah, Omer. Yep. Omar, 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 uh, and now Trent, you've done, you've done th- two or three movies since that time, probably. Yeah, you just crank them out. I do crank them out. I think Did. the first, I think the we had, the first time we talked, you had just finished the second movie of Trent you were in. Welcome to the Rubber Room. I think you had just finished Rubber Room. Well, maybe. Oh. Um, if that helps with the timeline, <laughs> so. But at any rate, you've you've uh, done, but you've done uh, Luna Mesa since then. Since uh, you've done, uh, welcome to the Rubber Room. Uh, welcome to the Rubber Room, and you're now you've done part one of uh, Echo People. Echo People. Yeah, and you've done something else in there too. Oh, I probably I did something called Mondo Movie, which is a collection of my shorts. Which is pretty fun. <laughs> I like it a lot. What's what's uh, what short short uh, films are in that? Oh, there's so many. I think there's 22 films in that. And all of this stuff is available, except Echo People isn't available, right? Echo People, I'm just giving away free on your I, on uh, Facebook. It, yeah, if you go to my Facebook page, you can look at it for you know just download the first. Uh, first episode. How, are there going to be many episodes? Do you uh, think about 400? <laughs> You're just going to just keep doing it until you decide to stop? Uh, yep, yep. Trent's going to live to be 800 years old. <laughs> uh, it, it will be, it'll be a series. Do I mean, seriously, do you have some I, idea? Of- I, well, I don't. I, I'm going to make them until I get tired of making them, but I'm, I'm starting on the other uh, two more episodes. I'm writing and getting them ready mm-hmm. right now, and hopefully when the weather breaks, I'll be able to shoot them. I saw something, though, it said, uh, as I was just coming over here, and I... About to click off of the Facebook page, and then I saw something about the uh, Alamo Draft House. Oh yeah, the movie, uh, the Echo People's going to uh, do its theatrical premiere in Austin, Texas, uh, at the end of the month. The, just that at first the, episode? Yeah, they're show it? Uh, yeah, they're going to show it in conjunction with Beaver Trilogy. Oh, cool! That's fun. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I just got back. I don't know if I've talked to you since I got back from Berlin. Did I? You. That was an amazing show. So we were at at a uh, a bar. Oh right. I happened to run into uh, Richard Dutcher, and he said, "Oh, I'm getting together uh, with Trent and some other people for for Stephanie. some drinks." Yeah, with Stephanie and who's who's in. Uh, uh, the uh, Echo People and uh, Rubber Room and, um, Plan, and almost, Plan 10. Yeah, she's in almost everything. She's been in four movies now, yeah. It, Pat has been in every one of your movies, hasn't ex- he, almost? Ex- all the feature movies except for Luna Mesa. He isn't, mm. wasn't in that one. Mm. But so anyway, uh, so I went over. And you were telling me a little bit about this Berlin thing. And I think this is just incredible. Maybe we should just set the whole thing, though. Trent Harris, we're talking to uh, a Utah, well, an Idaho boy who's become a Utah. <laughs> <laughs> You're really a Utah now, aren't I you? I think so, yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, Trent has been um, a U- Utah director for how many years now? Oh, God, 45. 45 years, your first feature you did, uh, Reuben and Ed. Yeah. And then it's been just... Uh, 
movie after movie since then. Yeah, I kind of started at the top and fought my way to the bottom. Oh, and it's been very successful. <laughs> but you've been really good at that. And uh, uh, and and uh, and people people who know uh, avant garde directors know Trent Harris, and Trent has a worldwide reputation. I know it's strange. You, I, I can fill up an audience in Berlin more than I can in Salt Lake. <laughs> Go figure. So so you were sitting around wondering what to do a few m- 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 months ago or a year Minding ago. Minding my own business. You were a year ago maybe. I saw you uh, you you yelled at me. I was riding my bike and you were in your car and you yelled at me and said I'm, I think get I out might, of the road. <laughs> I think I might get a job doing a teaching oh, stint right, right. in Florida. Right, and you were kind of looking at that and hoping that would happen. Yeah, and uh, and and it didn't. And I saw you, and we had drink. I went to this thing where we had drinks and said, "Oh, it was a really good thing that it didn't happen because of this." And tell people what happened. Well, Beaver Trilogy is a movie I made a long time ago, and it's it's. To make a long story short, it's three films based upon the same thing. The first one is a documentary about a young guy from Beaver, Utah, who likes to dress up like Olivia Newton-John. Part two is Sean Penn playing that part in kind of a reenactment. And part three is Crispin Glover playing that part also in a reenactment. And then the three were hooked together. Can can, can I attempt to explain, and then maybe you can correct me, why this all happened? I don't know what year you first met. 79. 79, you met Gary. Right. Groovin' Gary, he liked to call himself, or did you call right. him? Right, no, he, that, was, that was the kid from Beaver. You were working in uh, Channel 2, and you were testing out a camera. Right out in the, my own business. Again, as you always do, <laughs> testing out a camera in the parking lot at Channel 2. And he was there, just this kid from Beaver, Utah, he was there. I don't looking at the helicopter or something. Yeah, he'd come down to try to get on TV. Yeah, and you were testing out the camera, and you started kind of filming him, and that made him happy. It oh, excited him, yeah. and he was happy to mug for the camera. And you started filming him, and he was a f- interest, very interesting guy, fascinating guy, and he loved talking to the camera. Yeah, and you found out that he <laughs> was an Olivia Newton-John impersonator in his hometown of Beaver, Utah, and he was organizing a talent show, and he invited you to come down. Right. And and, and the ta- the people in the town of Beaver, everybody got together, and they do, would do their talents, and he, at the, the end of the show, he would come out as Olivia Newton-John. And, or did, yeah. Yeah, did, and sang some songs, and and you recorded all of this, and he, he had his makeup done by the woman who did the makeup at the mortuary. In Beaver, and yeah, she was the only one that knew how to do makeup mm-hmm. in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you and you and you made a little film about that. And then, as I I understand it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you you had second thoughts about releasing that movie. Well, he shot himself after I did it. Unfortunately, oh, you felt uh, felt it, terrible. Yeah, so it, I didn't show it to anybody. Oh, you didn't show it to anybody. Not for years and years and years and years and years. Now, when when he shot himself, it didn't kill him. He didn't die. No, but uh, he didn't say it was your fault. Well, no, he didn't. But yeah, I, but you felt somehow. Well, yeah, and I didn't want to. I mean, I knew that he was upset about what he'd done. So, 
Oh, I can't believe I'm talking about Beaver Trilogy again. <laughs> well, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, but it, but it, it, it somehow, it somehow defines you in certain ways. Well, it's it probably the most, yeah, world. I mean, it's been that movie has played everywhere and continues to play. Yeah. I mean, I didn't show it to anybody for years, and then I made the two short films with Sean and Crispin, and then I hooked them together, and then. Uh, the sort of the cat got out of the bag, but the, see that was two thousand and I think two th- year two thousand. So from nineteen seventy nine to two thousand, it hadn't been really shown. Mm-hmm. And you made the one with Sean Penn, and then the one with Chris. In some uh, attempt, I don't know to cy- people psychoanalyze it, but you did kind of do it to sort of explain to yourself what what went on. Well, to myself and to other people, mm-hmm. yeah. And it and it's fascinating to watch them together. Yeah, I guess it is. People I, seem to like and you, it. I can watch them over and over. Yeah. And you watch the documentary, then you watch that, and then you watch it, and you, and you go, "What a man! Yeah. It's fascinating." Yeah. And people around the world, when they discover them, are fascinated by right. it. So now that sort of sets it all up. Uh, this guy. So you didn't get the job in Florida teaching. No, but I no, which probably turned out to be a good yeah, a good thing in the long so, run. So what happened with Berlin? Well, I get a call from a gallery owner in Berlin and another one in Amsterdam and another one in Bucharest, and they all want to show these mov- this movie. Well, actually, in Bucharest, that was different. That was Plan 10 from Outer Space. Anyway, in, in, in um, Berlin, they show the three movies simultaneously. So they're all running at the same time on three different screens that you can walk between. And then there's a scene in the movie where the beaver kid begins to sing and he holds up a mic and he sings this very iconic Olivia Newton-John song. Well, at that moment, all, th- all three of the screens sync up. And the, so, uh, the sound is incredible. And you're walking between the different screens. Um, there were people there dressed up like the Beaver Kid. This is Berlin. There were people that had flown in for the show from places like Dusseldorf and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another artist there to, uh, from Amsterdam who'd done a, a, a piano score based on the movie that played on a player piano as you came in. There was a big neon sign that said The Summoning of Groovin' Gary. There was another uh, filmmaker artist from Denmark who'd done another spin-off of Beaver Trilogy that was playing on a fourth screen. People were dressed up and singing. I was flabbergasted. I couldn't believe it. It was it was just amazing. You you should be a wealthy man. Well, I didn't make any heart You don't make any money doing this. I know, stuff. but you should. They, they, uh, somehow somehow these people ought to be paying you royalties in a way. But they they've used this this work as the inspiration to their own artwork well and that's always flattering mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean we artists filmmakers painters musicians always rip off other people yeah. i mean you have to yeah i mean you, you get ideas you use it as a jumping off point sure. for your own sure for your own work i mean i you know i, I watch a stanley kubrick movie and i take things from it yeah. and use it sure yeah. but they must they must treat you with a certain reverential i was surprised yeah when they I want to talk there. to you and ask well, you I questions was, you or? know i walked into that it was called the trauma bar and kino which is like a, a kino means cinema in german and so it was like this kind of wild underground um nightclub bar thing mm-hmm. with screening rooms and 
And I walked in, and they just, everybody, like, snapped to attention. It was very strange. Yeah. I said, well, I'm Trent. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. I thought they were mad at first. It's like, what's this guy doing in here? <laughs> That's just incredible. And yeah. so they they, pay, they fly you over yeah, and yeah. put I you mean, up. I made and, some, oh, 10 days, all expenses. Mm-hmm. And it was I give you an honorarium. And, yeah, it was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And then went on to Amsterdam to show it there. And, and then in Bucharest, it was Plan 10 from Outer Space. Go figure that yeah. out. So Mondo, plan- Utah. It was called Mondo, Utah was the name huh. of the show in Bucharest. Big letters on the wall of the gallery, Mondo, Utah. And then they'd collected a bunch of weird stuff from Utah, and that was in their gallery in Bucharest, playing Plan 10 from Outer Space. So, I have no idea why. I was minding my own business. Man. Again, <laughs> minding my own business, and all of a sudden, you're the centerpiece of an art installation. In- Go figure. Mm-hmm. You, uh, so, And Plan 10 from Outer Space, if you're not familiar, it's a... Again, that's now that's a movie um, that people in Utah kind of know. That's probably, your, I would say, your next most famous movie. No, it'd probably be Reuben and Ed. Reuben and Ed. Reuben and Ed, Beaver Trilogy, and then Plan 10. And then Plan 10. But yeah. in Utah, a lot of people know Plan 10. Because, well, they used Because to. Most, most of people in Salt Lake were in it. <laughs> <laughs> there was that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. it was filmed around the city, and, and Pat, should... Pat Collins was naked yeah. ass standing in front of the temple. <laughs> no, it was the This is the Place Oh, monument. This is the Place. That's right. Yeah. And based on... It was based on um, Plan 9 from Outer Space. No, no, it's actually of. based on Mormon doctrine. It's it's uh, well, science fiction based on... There's not, There's very. I don't think there's one reference to Plan 9 in the whole movie. I guess not, except no. the title. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason I did that was because Reuben and Ed had gotten such bad reviews. I thought, well, I'll make Plan 10 from Outer Space, because Plan 9's supposed to be the worst movie ever. What are they going to say? Yep. It's worse than Plan 9? That would be great. <laughs> I never, I've never been able to figure that out, the Reuben and Ed. You know, and you've told the story before, Reuben and Ed, you you, you went to film school in L.A., Um, uh, CalArts? No, American Film Institute. Uh, And 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 you're really excited, and you make your first feature film, Reuben and Ed, and, and you get Crispin Glover, who's up and come you know and and crispin is a good actor oh yeah he's he a very a great, good actor he did a great job on that movie yeah and well, he's got karen black in it yeah. and howard hessman and and he's good in that and he's and, and crispin is still acting he's in uh, american gods on tv yeah. and you know he does he's he's good and he's you know that it was and it's a good movie it's funny uh, it's it's i mean it's kind of wacky and odd and but it's funny and it hangs together and it's got good uh it's got good continuity, <laughs> and it's got good good settings and a and a funny story and and uh, you know yeah critics hated it yeah some somebody actually some critic who what was who was the critic do you remember oh or? Uh, many I mean the guy from the Boston Globe said it was the worst movie of the decade guy from the L A Times said the person that made this movie ought to have their driver's license taken away <laughs> yeah it, I, I, that's when I knew I was onto something. <laughs> have, but I've, I, have you ever been now at the time? How did, did you? Oh, were you devastated? Fur- oh, furious! Yeah, you're angry or de- or or both. I mean, uh, I had another movie that uh, we were moving forward with at a company called Polygram. It was called Zizix that I'd written. It, we were casting, we scouting locations. Looked like the money was there, and the, when the Reuben and Ed reviews came out, they pulled it the next day. Mm. 
canceled it. Sorry, Trent. See ya. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad. See, there's another thing that happens when you think something bad has happened to you and it turns out to be good in the long run. Uh, I, one of the best things that ever happened was me getting kicked out of L.A. I mean, I'm. I think I've had a much more fun making films here. I mean, what happened was when I left, I said, I will never again in my life ask anyone for permission to make movies. I'm not going to go around and beg producers and studios and actors to do stuff. I'm just going to go make them. Mm -hmm. And that was a a good, and I just started making them. You know, I've made over a hundred films. Yeah. Amazing. I'm not exaggerating. I, I believe you. You know, I mean, I've made not eight, eight feature films and scores of shorts and documentaries mm-hmm. and experimental pieces, and mm-hmm. I enjoy doing it. Um, all, are all your feature films available on your website? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so if you go to, if you're curious about these movies, and they're not expensive to buy on no. on, on the website, and Ken Sanders has yeah, most Ken, of them yeah, he uh, should. at his bookstore. Uh, Ken Sanders rare books, but you can just go to echocave.net. Right, that's it. And you can order them. Right. Uh, and you'll get a DVD copy. Right. Uh, or a Blu-ray, and then there's other stuff on there too, books and mm-hmm. all kinds of goofy stuff. Uh, your TV, you 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 uh, had a TV show well, for I've, a while too. Well, I've well, I've got the, a the, thing called Coconut Monkey TV. Now I saw that, and I'm not, I don't know what that is. Well, did you click on it? I ha- I didn't have time. Well, if you click on it, it's short little films. It's just my little TV show. So, for instance, Echo People is on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I think I'm going to uh, start putting, I'm going to break Rubber Room, Welcome to the Rubber Room, into three episodes and put it up there. So I'm going to have my own thing. And then there are other, there's a little piece I did with Timothy Leary and, uh, you know, oh, different well, stuff. Oh, cool. Oh, well, then I will definitely do that. Yeah. And, and it, it, again, surprising stuff that, you know, I mean, I, I've known Trent for quite a while now, but then... You'll find these things that Trent has done, sometimes a long time ago. Oh yeah. That you that you, and you go, oh, my God, why doesn't the world know about this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the Timothy Leary thing's really quite wonderful. Is and it, then there's an Allen Ginsberg, and then I did Patty Smith, the Ramon. I haven't put those up yet, but I did Patty Smith, the Ramones, Ginsberg. Are these things that you you uh, did for uh, these, PBS? No, or, those things were done for Channel 2 a long, long time ago, most of them. When you were working with uh, Lucky? Severson? No, luck, l- it wasn't so much Lucky. It was a show called Extra. Mm-hmm. And the PBS documentaries that I've done and are completely different, and I don't put any of those up. They're they're good pieces, but they're just not a... They don't fit into that world at mm-hmm. all. They're, mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of keep the funny stuff up, you know, I... I covered a lot of things like genocides in Rwanda and stuff, and I just don't want to put that up on anybody. Uh, Trent, Trent has a, a couple of, uh, probably several different sides to him, and that, uh, and I, I know we're jumping all over in this interview, but uh, it's okay with me. Uh, you, you know, you do this wacky, kind of oddball stuff and that, yeah. but you, you know, are you known? I know you do the you talk, when you talked about Rwanda and you do the genocide and that and are you known fairly well known though for the documentary the uh, i can never get the title right because it's so odd but the cement ball oh right that's a no i mean it played around a bit but not much 
What's it called? It's the- called the Cement Ball of Earth, Heaven, and Hell. Mm-hmm. I spent a good chunk of five years in Cambodia making that movie. Mm-hmm. Tell people what that's about. Well, it's about a Khmer Rouge soldier that I befriended. He actually joined the Khmer Rouge, which was that murderous Pol Pot army. Yeah, they they were set hell bent on exterminating everything. <laughs> the all the intellectuals in Cambodia. All the bureaucrats, everybody. Destroy, they burned all the money. They destroyed the banks, all of the schools. Yeah. Uh, Pol Pot was the leader of that. Anyway, my friend Aki Ra is his name, had joined. <clears throat> Basically what happened was the Khmer Rouge killed his parents, and he was forced to be in their army at an age of about eight or nine years old. And he'd laid thousands, tens, you know, thousands of landmines. All over the country? Uh, yeah, and so what... Uh, you know, as he'd gotten older, I mean, the Khmer Rouge finally, there was an end to the Khmer Rouge and a key took it on himself to go and clear landmines. So there are millions, millions in, of landmines in Cambodia at one time. So we'd go out and, you know, I'd go out with him and he'd, we'd, you could find 40 landmines in a place not as any bigger than this little room here. I mean, they're not hard to find and go out and clear them. He'd go out and clear them with a stick and a pocket knife. Dangerous work. To be a very. It was fascinating. It's a fascinating look at kind of personal redemption. He did it to atone for whatever. Well, he, he did it because he wanted to help his country, and mm-hmm. there had been so much destruction there. It's a neat piece, actually. Mm-hmm. I should revise or get that one out more. It's, That's it, the problem. I've got all these movies, but I never f- know how to really get them out. I don't know what to do with them after a while. How to distribute them? Or well, make how them. to make anybody pay any attention to anything anymore is difficult. You know, there's too much out there. Well, that and that's that's the hard thing about being outside the system, as you are. You know, you say I, you, you don't want to. You never wanted to ask anybody for money yeah. or yeah. that. But that makes you be outside the system. So it's hard to get anybody to pay attention once you get something done. It's true. It's true, and it's gotten harder. It's gotten mm-hmm. a lot harder because of because there's so much out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many podcasts are there now? A million. Yes. Everybody has a podcast. Yeah. Everybody does one. Yeah. Yeah. And how, it's the same kind of thing with yeah. movies. Everybody mm-hmm. and their dog has made a movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, all you but, can do is say, go to echocave.net and look at the... Are there... Uh, are there trailers available on, uh, yeah. for them on the? So if people want to say, well, I'm kind of interested in seeing this movie, but I'd rather I want to see a trailer. Oh, sure. For, There's yeah. clips and trailers yeah. and things like that. And yeah. Echo People is is just free. Yeah, and I'm going to start doing a lot more of that. I think with some of the stuff that doesn't people don't seem as interested in buying, I'm going to start streaming. Mm-hmm. But you're not. You, but you can't. You can't live on that. No, no. I don't make any money doing that at all, quite frankly. I don't make really any money selling DVDs. It's just kind of to get the stuff out. and You know, there's sort of a steady stream of DVDs going out, but it's hardly enough to... It's well, not a it's not a living or anything. So like it must that. be the T-shirts you sell. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you making the money, right? No, <laughs> not the T-shirts. <laughs> no, I don't know. You know, I just I don't make very much money, but I don't need very much. Trent makes his money. He comes in here and he directs the porn that we shoot here after <laughs> yeah, hours. Right. <laughs> and Dylan acts in it. Yeah. It's the weirdest porn ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see. Where do I want to go back to? Um, uh, let's, let's talk about the new. Uh, oh, Echo People. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Echo People, and w- if if what's it about? 
which is always an interesting yeah. question to ask well, Trent Harris. <laughs> you, you said it was kind of a sequel to Reuben and Ed. Or a spinoff is what I would spin-off. say. Spinoff. Yeah. There so, are certain themes. If you like Reuben and Ed, you're going to um, get a lot of things in Echo People. I guess I didn't, um, as I watched part one, now, it's been a long time since I saw Reuben and Ed, but I didn't. Some of the lines are right out of Reuben and Ed. Yeah, so I guess I didn't remember and that. some of the situations, the Andy Warhol sucks a big one thing and the shoes and the. Well, I noticed the shoes at the end. And the locations are almost identical. Are some of them are mm-hmm. completely identical. Mystery Mountain, the notion of echoes when they're in the thing yelling, mm-hmm. echo, echo, echo. So what's it about? <laughs> Why don't you shut up? <laughs> he doesn't know yet. <laughs> it's about it. frogs. <laughs> yeah. He's released it. I don't think he knows yet. No, I do, actually. I, do. I mean, it's really about the two people lost out there in the desert, and I think it's quite sweet when they come together, you know, with the... I don't want to give away the punchline, but it's about... Let me think about that for a second, because I actually do have an answer for that. But let's move on. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty cool as I was looking at the Facebook page and some of the comments and stuff. And I saw uh, somebody talking about seeing Plan Ten from outer space, and she said, "I went to the premiere of Plan Ten from outer space, and I had a hubcap oh tied on my head." (laughs) Yeah, there's another thing. There's another. That's from Plan Ten, and uh, you know I have people put car parts on their heads quite often i didn't know that you you actually wear windshield wipers on your head i did did in (laughs) delightful water universe that i had windshield wipers and a colander on my on my head and women's panties and uh, yeah (laughs) women's panties because i just loved her so much um i love that scene Uh, somebody told me that that old motel down out there in uh, what's it called? Uh, Dale. Dale. Dell, yeah. yeah. So it burned down, or I don't know. I think it they tore it down. It was there no. last time I went to Windover. When was it, that? Has it, uh, it been in the, within the year? Yeah. Oh, huh. yeah. It was still there. I mean, it's overgrown, and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's an abandoned building. But right. well, when we were out there filming, now this is uh, where the eyeballs are on the side of the right, mountain, right. and when we were there. Uh, it wasn't totally abandoned. There were Somebody two u- two there, units yeah. or three units at, on the end. That there were people still. There were people living there, and I mean, uh, I mean, not just squatting there. Right. I think there was electricity, and you know. But then the rest of it was. I love those kind of places. That's oh. why I like Hanksville too. Hanksville is kind of got that you know desert town that's almost abandoned. That's where Echo people, uh, Echo people, and Reuben and Ed are both shot around Hanksville, Utah. I've never been in down beautiful downtown Hanksville. Well, you're missing out. It's really quite wonderful. I don't know why I haven't. I've been you know I've been in Loa, or I mean I've been in uh, Torrey, and right, and it's you know just. That Tory is like Hanksville adjacent, so yeah, it's about what at forty miles or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, so so Echo People. Oh, and at the so at the end of Echo People, the part one, mm. uh, <laughs> there there are only two people in that movie. There's, in there, Pat, there's Pat and Stephanie. And the, but at the end it says and the Echo people and then there's a whole list of names. Oh, those were people that contributed to the film. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought. Well, where where were they? I didn't <laughs> see them. The Echo people, and then it was a list of people. I thought oh, I didn't see them. Were they hiding behind rocks and stuff? You know, sure. I that's didn't what get it. 
you know, it's a uh, and uh, and you had uh, you had a cinematographer. Oh yeah, good one. And uh, and uh, he, it's beautiful. Yeah, I no, mean, the, I mean, it's a neat movie. I it quite looks like beautiful. It. Yeah, it's beautiful looking. And the soundtrack is beautiful. Uh, and I was going to say the music. Yeah, is great. great. I agree. Yeah. And I love the acting. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes people say that that you know, they, I just they do exactly what I have written. You know, mm-hmm. I just. I, I I thought it was brilliant. I just love those two actors. Pat's Pat's particularly good in this. I think. Yeah. His his he's he's just as bald and as red as can be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he just doesn't care. And he wears a hubcap on his head to keep the sun off. And mm-hmm. they're lost in the desert. And two strangers come together, lost in the desert, and end up being good friends. It's not unlike Reuben and Ed on that level. Yeah. Same kind of arc. I I was I kind of knew there was a cinematographer uh, partway through because I realized Stephanie was wearing her glasses throughout the whole thing, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and uh, if if Trent were doing his own filming, he would be constantly saying, "I don't want you to wear your glasses," be- and because because of, of reflection, and I think a cinematographer just doesn't care. No, you know what the difference is is that what? we were outside as opposed to inside. And where we've got, if I have a light right there pointing at it's you. It's harder to deal with. You, then you, the sun's up high, so you don't gotcha. get that reflection. But if you're in a situation where you're lighting it, that's when you get the reflection in the glasses. And so you have to, you can deal with it, but it just takes oh, more effort. It just ass. takes more yeah. effort to deal with it yeah. indoors yeah. To, to get rid of that reflection. Yep. Oh, see, I don't know anything. I just thought, I just thought that it's. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yep, see? He he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's good. I mean, I guess. Don't ask him what it's about, but otherwise, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I re- one thing I remember, and uh, I'm probably repeating some of the stuff we talked about when you were here the first time, but who cares? Uh, one thing I remember from that conversation was we I asked you about where your ideas come from, and you said I usually am, get obsessed with uh, feeling, or some something, and then I make a movie that's kind of about that. You get obsessed. I remember you saying, I get obsessed on something. Well, it's true. I mean, that's... And last time we talked, you were really upset <clears throat> and obsessed about the quality of the buildings they're building in Salt Lake. Oh, you know what? Well, Rubber Room, a lot of that is about the destruction of, mm-hmm. of things that we love. I mean, I was obsessed with that. It was making me crazy. You know, you're taking these wonderful old institutions and buildings and and funny little bars and things like that and you're tearing them down and putting up chain stores like pottery barns and mm-hmm. stuff that and I found that very upsetting so that's I obsessed on that and that's a theme that kind of rubber room yeah a strong theme that goes through rubber room so what are you obsessing about now that's a good question i'm trying to stay away from politics cuz i i'm sick of it uh Right now, I well, I don't know. That's a very good question. I mean, I just got through with my last obsession, and I'm not sure I've got a new one yet. Okay. Fair well, enough. I mean, that's probably honest. That was the last one, the, ru- what, the rubber room dealt with? Well, the rubber room thing, yeah. I mean, the thing with, I mean, one another way to say it is if I fall in love with something, it will end up in one of my movies is another way and I am in love with that desert down around Hanksville mm-hmm. I, yeah. factory butte area I mean that's I think I put that those locations in four or five six of my movies at least mm-hmm. all on one road practically it's it's amazing that area is like no place on earth 
And I've been all over the world, and I have never seen anything as stark and as beautiful as that area around Factory Butte. It's just stunning. You, you also ha- seem to have an obsession. You really like that uh, cracked mud. Oh, yeah. The cracked mud um, desert kind of yeah. thing uh, where there's like uh, out, out by Dell. And uh, yeah. where, what's that place we went to that if you, you drive, you'll, you'll end up out at the... Um, You'll end up out at a where they dump right, right, right. You know, hazardous waste and stuff. And there's kind of crack, crack. It's called mud flats or something like that. No, Antelope Valley is Antelope Valley. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. out there towards uh, the causeway kind of thing. Yeah, it's that north side of, or uh, the west side of the lake. Yeah, yeah. where it's all just mud, <clears throat> cracked mud. But you know, the, the other thing is like if you you know I, I. I'm serious about that because I do. I love fossils. I've looked at fossils all my life, and there's fossils in Echo People. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by ants. I just and ants are in three or four of my films. In fact, ants are going to be a theme in the next thing. And uh, you know, I, I've been a rock collector and a desert collector. There's something. I know what it is. It's the mystery. There's something very mysterious out there that you don't get when you're in the forest or something like that. Mm-hmm. To me, forests are not mysterious. But that desert out there is, you know. I think we found what you're obsessed with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I that's... mean, there's a road out there that I go out all the time called Cow Dung Road. <laughs> and the Mars the Mars Society is out there, which is fascinating. And if you go another uh, 10 miles past the Mars Society is the Burpee Dinosaur Quarry, where they've taken out all of these allosauruses. It's a fascinating area. That road that I drive on is literally made of fossils, literally. Hmm. You get out and there, and it's, uh, um, you know, these things called devil's toenails. They're these little uh, uh, clam kind of Oh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. What what is the Mars Society doing out there? Well, they, you know, if you look at, if you look at that area, it looks exactly like Mars. And so some, the society has gone out there and built a, uh, a place where they live it's kind of a test station where you can go mm-hmm. out, you know, they don't live there all the time, but they'll go out and they'll spend a month living in this great big tin can just to see how it, what it's like. They build an observatory out there. They've got greenhouses and things that they're trying to figure out how, you know, if you mm-hmm. were lived on Mars, what would you be faced with? Mm. And it sounds like a bunch of kooks, and, but uh, I think there's some serious money. I heard that uh, James Cameron had put money into it, the guy that did Titanic and stuff like and that. And Avatar, yeah. Yeah. So it's a neat it's a neat thing that nobody knows about. There's seldom anyone in it. You know, they can go, you can you just go and you can't go in it. It's locked. So, but you can go walk around the thing. It's you know, it looks like a great big tin can. Sounds to me like you, you could film something about that. I have put stuff in I have shot out there. Shot before. shot around it and yeah. parts of it are in what what have you well i was actually in a movie that was made a cuban movie <laughs> it's funny I've you seen, should ask. <laughs> I've, I've seen i've seen a seen a picture of you yeah i was yeah. in a movie that was made by a cuban director <laughs> yeah. and he filmed out there and wanted me to be a spaceman so I've i had seen a that big picture. space yeah. suit on yeah. and, and uh but yeah <laughs> i'm thinking part of echo people part two might be filmed right around there 
And then I'm going to put a flying saucer in it. There's something else I'm obsessed with. Flying, flying saucers. saucers. I love flying saucers. Like the traditional saucer-shaped. Like the one, yeah, the, yeah. Like the one that's in... Rubber room. Rubber room mm-hmm. and plantain. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah like the, I'm going to use that same flying saucer. Mm-hmm. Re- I've saved it. I'm recycling it. We, oh, no, never throw away a flying saucer. <laughs> no, I mean, that'd be stupid. Yeah, if you've got one, keep it. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just because it's made out of two Roman shields that are stuck together, it looks like a flying saucer. It does. It's good. It, I know. Yeah. You, you, you hang it on a string and like they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now any projections for your the next part of Rubber Room? Or I mean, uh, well, I uh, shoot Echo it, People? I want to shoot it when the, I, I want to prepare it so I can shoot it when, in the spring when the weather breaks. It's too, it's too messy down there right now. And is it just, it's going to be, it will be a two-person? It will be simple. I'm not exactly sure yet about how many people will be in it. But the idea is to keep things very simple and doable. Uh, you know, just because it's simple. You don't need to put a bunch of people in your film to have it interesting. It can be interesting with two people. Sure. You don't have to have ten. And, um, you know, you so the idea is to keep it simple and doable and elegant, just kind of an elegant. I mean, that's what I think about Echo People. It just works on this very elegant, mm-hmm. simple way. Did you like the movie? Did you see My Dinner with Andre? Long time ago, yeah, Did yeah, you yeah. like that movie? Yeah. I did, too. Yeah, and it's it was basically just two people sitting around a table talking. Eating dinner. And, yeah. oh, there's a third person in it, a guy, a waiter comes right, in occasionally. Right. Yep. I loved that movie. That's kind of what I tell people this podcast is sometimes. Yeah. It's like will. My Dinner with Andre, the podcast. There you go. Yeah. Mm. It's just it just two guys. And the, <laughs> one, the one guy, uh, is, uh, Andre Gregory, very interesting, mm-hmm. kind of kooky. And and then Wally Shawn is yeah. also interesting in his own way, yeah. but but he, you know, he's the, he asks the questions and then Andre Gra- Gregory just goes on and on and on. And mm. I, just, I thought That's it was fair. fascinating. Uh, I always ask you this question whenever I whenever we record a podcast. Uh, have you se- what was the last movie you seen? Oh, you know what I watched I, last night. I watched something called Fort Apache: The Bronx. Oh, that's an older movie. It's an old movie with Paul Newman yeah. in it. That's actually very good. Yeah, it is. And uh, I've also watched a number of document. I watch a movie almost every night, but okay. but I don't go to the theater that much anymore. Mm-hmm. I. You know, our library here is incredible. Sure. I go down to the city library I, to, oh, maybe three, four times a week and check out books and DVDs. I just love that place. I think they've got like 25,000 mm-hmm. DVDs in there, yeah. and they're free. Yeah, we get we get uh, movies out of the library. Yeah, often. movies, TV shows, wonderful documentaries. So I go down and get a handful of those, and I watch something every night. Mm-hmm. But I've watched a handful of documentaries right give it give us some other stuff that you've documentaries yeah yeah just other stuff you've been watching well um there is a terrific documentary called uh oh gosh now i can't think of the name of it but it's about a photographer named hagenkamp there's a movie out right now about this guy that's not a document it's about his life though yeah what the hell is that guy actor's name Look, look that up, Hagenkamp or something. Anyway, uh, this fellow liked to wear women's shoes. Hmm. And he went out and dressed up one day in the women's shoes, and three guys just beat the hell out of him. 
to the point where he had brain damage. Mm. And he retreated back into his own world and began to take photographs of, he created an entire world, a World War II world, with jeeps oh, and everything out of escape dolls. From, escape from Malwan. That's the name of the movie that's out now. It's called Malwan. Huh? Mar- 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 the incredible World War II art project created by a cross-dresser who was beaten up by yeah. bigots. Steve Carroll. Uh, yeah. Steve well, Carell is in it. I haven't seen the movie. It's supposed to be okay. Well, the documentary is fascinating. That's what people say the documentary is great and the movie is just kind of okay. Well, the documentary is absolutely It's a stunning. Zemeckis movie. Yeah, well, that explains it. <laughs> but uh, no, he's, so he creates this entire mm-hmm. world out of uh, G.I. Joe dolls yeah. and things like that and takes photographs of it. And they are spectacular. I saw mm-hmm. the show. I saw the show of his photographs in New York, and it was just stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I should write I, so that any, down because, yeah. The, the, doc, the documentary is just mind blowing. And, and it's just called Marwan, right? I think. I, I'm not sure what the documentary is called. Yeah, I, think I can't is. remember. I, I mean, I, I think it's. There's another one called Shadow Man. Another fascinating documentary about a street artist in New York in the 80s. Mm. Uh, I'm particularly interested in that time period in New York, late 70s, mid 80s, when I, I wandered around down there for a while. It's a yeah. completely different world then. I did in the, in the, in the late 70s. Yeah, oh, That's com- when I lived there. Completely yeah. different, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a good, it's a really great time for documentaries right now. Um, there, you know, if you have Netflix, there are all kinds of great stuff on Netflix. There's, there is so much good material out mm-hmm. right now. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the, and, and not all of it, but much of the energy of independent film making went into television and you have these spectacular television shows. I know. You know, just amazing stuff it's hard to go to the movies in a way yeah because there's so much good television it's weird that yeah. it flo- i mean then there's still great movies out there but there's just amazing amount of really good solid television shows that yeah you, series you, that are remarkable yeah, yeah that you just you just can't believe why I, there's the, you know uh fiction and documentary television yeah. that's just and I tell you the truth, I just do not care about superheroes. I just am so bored with comic book movies about comic book heroes. I'm not too. too I mean, too good much lord! I one, mean, I can understand one or two or three, but it's like every damn. Ugh. One one I think you would be able to sit through is uh, the new Spider-Man animated Into yeah. the Spider Verse. It's, it's pretty a, remarkable. It, it's yeah. a pretty. Uh, it's a pretty unique style of filmmaking the animation is unique right and it has and the whole movie has this drive that's kind of done with music i mean just from a directing standpoint i thought it had it had this pacing and way it moved through that was nothing ever lagged nothing was ever it was just very very a very unique it is. Well, I'm sure there are great. I'm I, I just. I, I. There's so many things to make movies about. Why do we keep making movies about comic books? I mean, we're talking. Yeah. I mean, hundreds. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's. It's fascinating. You uh, know why? Uh, yeah. I just. I. I'm. I was. Yeah. I can't. I can't. But well, it's you know it's it's they 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 finally hit upon it and they figured out how to do it. Well, you know what it is. It's the worldwide market. They, they, these movies make so much money in places like China. Yeah. And the reason that they make these movies is because they translate well. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it's 
lots of fighting and flying and mm. people in costumes and they wear and, masks, and, so and, they wear masks and well and you don't have that much dialogue that's really necessary you know it's not mm-hmm. like they're character well some of them are but mm-hmm. the, the character driven stuff is mm-hmm. probably less than the, yeah anyway right. these things make you know huge money. billions as, of dollars as, as in foreign com- markets you know, i mean they were the, the same thing with comic books they were kind of universal comic yeah. books kind of translated yeah throughout the world you know but people picked them up all over the world and went this is something i can relate to yeah. and it's the same thing and i think they you know it's i think they were universal uh just in america too they sort of comic books were kind of they spread across all classes in a way people liked them i don't know did you read comic books when you were a kid when i was a kid you bet yeah. by the time i was probably eight until i was probably 12 i yeah. loved them but mm-hmm. then it was like okay yeah and but some people they said they kept they kept they, no, they went they went into it they went on with adult stuff but they kept them yeah. as a kind of a yeah. A pleasure. It's yeah. not necessarily that I'm against comic books. I'm just, I just sure. wish that Hollywood made something beyond that. Mm. Well, they I do. mean, they do, but they do. most of the stuff is, you know, mm. count the movies. I mean, how many Spider-Mans have there been now? Many. Yeah. Many, many. Which Batmans. Is, how many Batman? Superman, uh, Wonder Woman, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's it just only goes been on and one on. Wonder Woman oh. movie. In my lifetime, anyway. Mm. In this new renaissance of... Stupid superhero movies. <laughs> the renaissance of stupid superhero movies. <laughs> and it, I don't. I don't really care. I don't yeah. go to. I go to a few of them here and there. Yeah, it's fine. I have to. Fine. I go see all of them, and mo- almost all the time, I'm like, I could have done something better with these two hours. <laughs> but they're so important for culture, <clears throat> which which is uh, annoying. Like you kind of have to see it if you want to be in a conversation with people. No, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> I, no, listen, no, I, I, you're I'm, hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> I, I'm in the business where you know I sh- I need to sort of have a familiarity with them, but I don't go to all of them. Right. I I I know about them, and I know just enough about them that I can, you know. But I don't have to go see all of them. I go see a couple of them here and there. I know, I haven't been to the new Aquaman yet, and I'm not going to see that. I I have no desire to I see it. Am. No, but it, the most money making of all the. Ones. That's because of the worldwide. Yeah, they just are getting bigger and bigger worldwide. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I hope the same thing happens with Echo people. Yeah, I'm sure it will. It'll go. <laughs> but but let's go back to uh, the Beaver trilogy. Well, you know one thing. It's about, translated. It's gone well, worldwide. There's an a theme that goes through that. There's a, a music thing that's the. Uh, an Olivia Newton-John song called "Please Don't Keep Me Waiting." I can't take this kind of pain. That has become sort of an anthem for. People that feel, well, I'm not going to say that, but I mean, for certain people, it's an anthem, let's say that, because of uh, people that feel like they're outside, that mm-hmm. they're outsiders. These movies appear uh, seem to appeal to people that, like us, that are outside, you know, not part of the mainstream necessarily. So, I mean, that's what all my movies are about. You ask me what my movies are about? My movies are about heroic misfits. They're in every damn one of them. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. You know. Gar- Groovin' Gary, the guy, <laughs> the kid you, the beaver, the the kid you met in uh, the parking lot, uh, he. Talk about a heroic misfit. Yeah. Yep. He he survived his his uh, gunshot wound when he, when he attempted to take his own life. He, he has since died. Yeah. Uh. 
I, and I don't know of what. I, no, I think it was a heart attack. Had a heart attack, and yeah. he was in his 50s, I think. Yeah. So, so did he have any inkling that this had happened? Yeah, I mean, he, well, finally, in 2001, I think it had a big screening at Sundance that he came to. Oh, and he was there. Yeah, oh, I invited cool. him to come to that, and that's when we kind of reconnected after all these years. And he must have been... Well, he was flabbergasted. I mean, he couldn't, you know, I mean, how would you feel? I mean, imagine that for a minute. Mm -hmm. There's three movies about you, and then at a time in your life when you were maybe your most vulnerable, and it's starring people like Sean Penn. (laughs) It's like kind of a surprise. (laughs) So it was a special screening at Sundance. Yeah. And and the the people and people there the audience there they must have stood up and applauded oh they loved it you know there's a whole movie about this called beaver trilogy part 4 yeah which Brad, i didn't make but a guy named Brad Besser, Besser made which yeah. is all about he interviewed me for it and then he cut me out of it oh bastard and then you know you, that you can get on netflix mm-hmm. and then that would explain a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff that probably makes absolutely no can we, sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can we get the Beaver trilogy on Netflix? No. no. What the fuck? I got a copy of it if you want to borrow no, it. No, I, I know. But I mean, you know, why is the documentary about the movie on Netflix, but the actual damn... It's got to do with several things. One would be music rights. Another one would have to do with... If I put some... You know, people think that Netflix buys these things. They don't. You pay Netflix to be on Netflix. They buy some things. Yeah, they buy big movies. Of course they're going to buy, and they produce Mm -hmm. things. But if you're an independent filmmaker, you pay to be on these platforms, these streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. And so by the time you pay them, and then by the time you get a cut, and they take their cut, you basically don't make any money at all and then nobody buys a dvd because they can just stream it for a nickel or whatever so it just it doesn't work but i I, go back to gary when when he uh realized that he he had become this center of attention like that right did it make him happy i think he was happy and you know he he would go up and down dramatically from being incredibly happy to incredibly depressed. Because he wanted to be the center of attention at one time. Well, he wanted to be a star, and he certainly turned into one, you know. Uh, probably not in quite the same, and not the way he had envisioned, you know. He's <laughs> I mean, the, the people in, in Beaver, Utah, at least at the time of the talent show, they well, they liked him. Well, I don't know about that. No. Well, I mean, it wasn't. Or did they that make they fun of him? It wasn't that. I I don't honestly know. It seemed to me the way you portrayed it in the documentary, they seemed to like him. Yeah, I mean, there's a f- handful of people that went to the thing, but mm. you know, it's. I mean, it's not that they dislike him. It's whether they like the performance he did or not, mm. which is coming out and drag in Beaver, Utah, at a high school auditorium. Pretty brave. Yeah, yeah, amazing, heroic. Did, I mean, heroic. Did, did they boo him? They didn't boo no, him. No, no, no. no they no, cl- no. they pl- applauded. Yeah, they no. they seemed to. They didn't laugh at him, or maybe they did behind his back. Or? Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know for sure. I know he was upset about it. Didn't mm-hmm. want to. Anyway, <laughs> he didn't want you to show it. He, he had real reservations about it. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't for twenty five yeah. years or something. <laughs> well, anyway. I just I think it's fascinating that he finally got to see what what it had become. Yeah. And that it was 
that it was uh, it had become a phenomenon. You know, when I was in Berlin, there was a guy there from Amsterdam who came up to talk to me and said he'd made a pilgrimage to Beaver, Utah, actually to Minersville, where Gary is buried. That's he's buried in a and on his tombstone on Groove and Gary's tombstone is his uh, engraved picture of his car, which is Farah, which mm. he loved his car. Farah after Farah Fawcett. Yeah. And so this guy from Amsterdam had made a pilgrimage. I mean, it's just amazingly bizarre how, yeah, go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. You know, there are all these times in your life when something happens and you think Mm. it's bad. And then, and as it plays out in the long run, it turns out to be something you never, ever expected and often a good thing. It's very strange how that works. Something terrible can happen, and you think, oh, it's the end of it all, and it turns out to be a blessing in the long run. Like getting kicked out of L.A. Yeah. When I left there, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, this Done. is terrible, terrible, terrible. And it's, I think I'm much happier than many of the people that I left there. Hmm. All right. I think we can leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Go uh, figure. Go figure. Go figure. Let's just make sure that um, you, uh, if you want to see Trent Harris's movies and and the shorts are really cool don't neglect those go to echocave.net and i'm going to go look at that what is it cool cool monkey no coconut coconut monkey, monkey tv coconut monkey tv all kinds of little shorts there yeah i'm putting up more all the time now i just there's only about five or six up there now but they'll be 20 or 30 before too long. I, I like, is that stuff where you wander around with a camera in the, those in the are desert? Up there. And, Some and of those are Great up there. Salt Lake. And <laughs> One of them where I go to the Butch Cassidy Monster Mountain Museum and another where I go to the Enola Gay Hangar out in Wendover. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. And just a, a whacked perspective from Trent Harris on everything. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, check it all out. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no, it's always fun. Right. And then... Um, that's it. So thanks, Dylan. And uh-huh. uh, thank you to Podspace. And uh, uh, oh, yeah, remember, and it's about time. Yeah. Is it cocktail hour? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's always cocktail hour. Uh, remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. Yeah.